0: I really learned from this, the, the power in that carry-through, that I know that we were, we were talking to all of the stakeholders, right, we were getting this message across consistently, but having that bridge between the district and the campus was huge.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast from Elevation Education that explores how we can help make an impact on our nation's highest growing student demographic, multilingual learners. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis We are closing out season 10. I can't believe I'm saying that, but we are closing out season 10 of the Highest Aspirations podcast with a topic that is important for everyone working in schools. While your district may not currently have large numbers of newcomers, it is almost certain that teachers in your schools will be lucky enough to work with students coming to this country for a variety of reasons. We can learn a tremendous amount from colleagues working in places where newcomers have been part of the fabric of their school communities for decades. One such school district is KDISD, located just outside of Houston, Texas. Kdisd has been known for its newcomer centers for years, so much so that people from other districts have visited them to learn more about how they can create similar programs in their own districts. But the disruption caused by the pandemic and other topics as well have forced district leaders in Katie to make significant changes, and the result has been incredible. I sat down with Kimberly Mitchell, instructional officer for secondary ESL at KDISD to talk about how the challenge her district was facing turned into an opportunity and how other districts can learn from their journey. From change management to rolling out PD programs with very little time, Kimberly shares a wealth of ideas and resources and inspiration that will encourage you to rethink traditional newcomer programs and energize teachers in the face of significant transitions. I hope you enjoy this last episode of season 10. We will be back in August for season 11. But in the meantime, please visit our EL community to access all our free resources, including every episode of the Highest Aspirations podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Kimberly Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, we talked... We talk, when, when? That was the sidelets conference was it that we talked at in houston where was that that we left yes we... that
0: was in january at city center in houston
1: okay and now it's may and we're we're finally doing it. <laughs> that's how these things Seems go. like yesterday it does and that's on me for um for just having a lot to do but i we were saying right before i clicked record this is one that i wanted to make sure that we got out on this season and we're just in time as this is the last episode of Season 10, which is hard to believe on my end. Um, but it's a really important topic, obviously, and a topic that um that I think is really great to bring you in on because you have a really unique perspective on this and something we talk about a lot, but not in this way. So so I want to dive in. Um we're gonna talk about all about newcomers and newcomer programs, and everybody kind of has a version of what a newcomer is and what a newcomer program looks like. And I think we're gonna break the mold a little bit with this conversation, which I'm excited about. So Let's start just by setting the scene a little bit. I want to start um, with having you talk a little bit about the challenge that your district, KDISD in Texas, um, was facing with newcomers last year. Um, and what sort of system did you have in place? And why did you have to change? And before I you answer that question, let me just say, when I talk about challenges, I'm not talking about the challenges of having newcomers in your class, because that's an amazing, wonderful thing, which we'll get to later, but the logistical challenges that comes that come with that.
0: Right, sure. So um for a, I think it's been about 18 years, so long before I was in KDISD, um we had the privilege of having j- junior high newcomer centers. And we started with just one, and then as we got more students and the district grew, we ended up with three uh prior to the pandemic year. And that was just an um, answer to the continuous growth that we had of newcomers. And here in Katy, our definition of a newcomer is a um, student who is new to US schools, first year non-English speaker. Mm-hmm. And then after that first year, although they are still considered an immigrant, um, they might move into our what we call our sheltered program.
1: Got it. Good So context. these
0: are just our first year students, and they were able to a- attend a center when our our district provided uh, busing for those students who needed it, and um, we had our expert teachers there in that center uh, addressing those students' needs. But then the year of the pandemic. Our numbers dropped drastically um, for all of the reasons that we already know. Sure. And um, so we then had to adjust and ended up, the district decided to close one of the three centers mid year because we couldn't, we just couldn't justify that many teachers and that much space for so few students. Mm hmm. And then the next year, the pendulum swung the completely opposite direction. And we had, I mean, nearly a 300% growth. Wow. And only the two centers now that we're we're needing to, um, you know, provide for um, such a large number of students. And so the district just decided that it's it's too difficult to predict these numbers and to staff and to house in in on campuses these this program when you know the numbers just keep swinging um, and so it was decided. I believe the actual official principal communication went out March thirty first um, that uh, we would dissolve the newcomer, the remaining newcomer centers and every junior high would have its own newcomer Mm -hmm. program. Um, So that was a, um, a very big change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To say the (laughs) least.
0: Um, With very little notice for making it happen.
1: Yeah. So if I may, let's recap a little bit because I think there's some things that are like That are that you have in common with other districts, and that is that during the pandemic, you know, changes needed to be made, and then many pendulums switched in many different ways in many different districts, and so there was overcompensating, there was undercompensating, and then you needed to kind of switch back to other kind of methods very, very quickly. So your pendulum was the newcomers dropped, understandably so during the pandemic, and then there was, you said, almost a three hundred percent increase. And at the same time, you had lost one of your three newcomer centers for junior highs. Um, and I know that KDISD, just from having been you know, working with schools and doing this podcast and working with Elevation for a long time, I know that KD was known for, for its newcomer center. I know that other districts used to come in to visit to learn more about how they could implement something similar. And so now you have this drastic change. And I didn't mention that earlier, but the drastic change is the one you mentioned where all of a sudden it's, okay... We're going to have a newcomer center in or each school is going to be responsible for their newcomers in some way. So assuming that's all right, I think it is you're nodding your head. Yes. H- how did how did people react when you had to make such a drastic change? It's March 31st the school year's about to end. the next one's about to begin what what happened then?
0: Well, um as far as the campus staff, the, the ones who were overcrowded with uh, the newcomer students, the, the I think the staff was relieved because they finally had an answer. They were just wanting an answer, just um, to, to know that something was going to change. This gotcha. was not going to continue to be... The,
1: the, the just having two is just not going to happen. So any change would have been... Correct. Gotcha. Okay. But
0: for quite a while there... It, it looked like we were going to reopen the the, the center that had closed. Um, we were trying to provide additional staff throughout the year to help mitigate this uh, the overcrowding. And um, so when it when the decision finally came and we they knew what was going to happen next year, I think there was somewhat of a sense of relief hmm um, and as well as our and at the district level, okay now now we know what the plan is, and we can move forward and and start preparing for that. Uh, but it, it was late in the school year, so um I can only imagine the administrators and, and how they're feeling that they had already set up their master schedule for the next year. they had already done their hiring for the next year, you oh. know and, and now they're needing to add courses to the master schedule, the needing to add, you know, more, more teachers. Um, so all of that uh, was tough, but I think overall it was just a sense of relief that, okay, we have an answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think change is hard, um, but not knowing what's happening or just a complete lack of clarity is probably harder being in the dark. Right. So that makes sense, actually. So in some ways that kind of, it, it forces your hand to embrace whatever change needs to be made but i'm still guessing i'm putting myself in my sort of teaching 17 year teaching career um and this is before the pandemic and i say to people all the time i don't know how because i was not teaching during the pandemic i was teaching at a university um and that was hard enough um part time but i can't imma- i i can't imagine that there wasn't some kind of Of that dreaded, this is like one more thing to do for the teachers who are working in those junior highs that now had to serve newcomers instead of having them go to a place where they knew that'd be taken care of. Um, That's an understandable fear and concern that people have. And we hear it all the time um, with implementing elevation, right? And it's totally understandable. This is even bigger. So how are you able to because I think this is really important a really important question for people to know. So much of this is like people management and change management. Um, how were you all able to mitigate that kind of very understandable fear? Or was that fear there first? Let me make sure I'm right. And then if there was, how did you mitigate it?
0: Well, we heard later in the school year, once the school year had gotten started and we had worked with some of these teachers and I'll kind of walk you through how we did that, but we, we didn't because those teachers were not under our program at the time. We didn't really know the conversations that were happening on the campuses. Right. The teachers were being told, okay, now you're going to, you're going to have a newcomer section, you know, next year, or you're going to be a newcomer teacher. We weren't privy to those conversations.
1: Uh, if you were a fly in until the wall, later. I thought it would be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So but we knew from the get-go that it's it's going to be very important that the right tone and the right atmosphere be set at those campuses from the very beginning. Um, because once, once it started, and if it's not started correctly, it's hard to Redirect and correct it, right? One
1: hundred percent. That you're. I mean, I, sorry to interrupt, but you hit the nail on the head. Like that's kind of why I'm asking the question because you needed to get off to a good start,
0: <laughs> right? In a very and, little time. It's not like we've done this before. I mean, you know, this was new for us too, and we've been able to do it in, in just m- micro pieces. But you know, to try and consider who are all of the stakeholders and who do we begin with, and and we thought we've, we've got to start with the leadership. Um, the campus leadership sets the tone for the campus and can help to stave off those fears and concerns that the teachers um, might be having. So um, I think it was, it just felt so quick, but I think it was maybe like three weeks after the official announcement came out, we were training wow. campus administrators. So <laughs> Um, And and of all of the knowledge that there is to share about teaching uh, students from many other countries with many different cultures and many different languages, you know, how do how do we bring that down to just two half day trainings here at the very end of the year for campus administrators? Um, And we we just knew that I know that they're worried about master schedule. I know that they're worried about hiring and those very tangible logistical pieces, Yeah, but we want them to feel what it's like to be a newcomer. <laughs> first and foremost, um, we want the student first in their minds. Um, and so that's where we took from the trainings that we've done um many times and um, but for teachers uh, and what we've seen from Sidelitz and from PSYOP and that if start teaching another language and, and, and you know put people in that situation and so I have an amazing team of, of four facilitators and a PD specialist um, but one of those facilitators she speaks German and she's famous for her German lesson and so we started with that the first the moment that administrators walked in the door, they were hearing German, they had an assignment to complete, very little instruction on how to do it that was comprehensible or helpful at all. You know, she was, Margo was not helpful there in the beginning, but then flipped the switch and started providing strategies to them, walking them through what we expect to see in the classroom to be helpful for our newcomer students. And very shortly into it, we had administrators speaking, listening, writing, and writing in German, you know, very basic, of course, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that we hoped that they could see that these simple teaching strategies can make all of the difference for our newcomer students. And that's really all that's needed, along with creating a welcoming environment Yeah, and really getting to know them and their cultures and all of those pieces. But um and throughout it all just really focusing on the fact that these students are are assets to the campus they bring sure. such wealth and diversity to the campus
1: so i you you told me about this last time we chatted and um and what the teacher's name is margo right the german teacher
0: our facilitator yes uh-huh. yeah
1: the facilitator so this Margot is clearly clearly very good at her job because that kind of lesson, I've both delivered that kind of lesson using Spanish, so not everybody like didn't know the language because there's a lot of Spanish speakers, and I've been and I've been in the audience of that lesson, and in both situations on both sides, I've seen success when I've learned from the mistakes that I made at first doing it, when I was actually facilitating, and in the audience, I've seen success and I've seen like horrible failures. And the success comes when when the facilitator is able to give the audience a sense of what it's like to be a newcomer and to not understand what's happening. But as you said, like pretty quickly flip the switch. So it goes from what is happening here? This is horrifying. This is a situation for a student. I can't even imagine I want to be involved to... Wow, this is really hard. And then wait a minute, this is easy. Like it's really a balancing act because I've seen it actually go the other way. So like I always am careful with that kind of activity because the facilitator, as always, right, with teaching, uh, needs to be really, really skilled. Um, and so when you said flip the switch and got everybody going, uh and and thinking and and you know, using elementary German, I think that's a really important part of it. Um, and like that's the Foundation, right? You start to build the empathy and you start to understand that it's possible. And you start to understand that, again, these students are assets. But then you really need, like, this is a significant, huge change. And I'm still, like, my mind is still blown that we're talking March 31st or later, and you got to start the 22 school year. So, I mean, it requires significant PD. So, how did you approach aside from that, which is a great first step? Like, what are your next steps? You gotta prepare staff, family, students, and every other stakeholder. So I know that's probably a little bit more complicated, but could you walk us through that? Because that's where the magic I feel like happened there.
0: Well, uh, we called Dr. Carol Salva.
1: Yeah, good call. Dr. That's a that's a good move. Carol's <laughs> a friend and a colleague.
0: Um yeah, definitely knew that we could not do this on our own. Um and uh wanted you to put together a, a plan for the entire year of professional development, some of which we would be providing and some of which we would have consultants providing. Um, so we decided, of, of course, our, our initial focus was, um, you know, after getting our leadership trained, we wanted to uh, focus on teachers and, you um, so we decided to have a newcomer toolkit training provided June and July, and then again in the fall. Um, just regardless of what content you teach or what grade level you, you teach, these are the basics of you know what you need to know for teaching newcomers. And um, we did have Um, another consultant as well, Pam Broussard from leading ELLs.
1: Pam's great. She's been on the podcast. Fantastic.
0: Um, so she did a portion of our, our two day newcomer toolkit. And, um, but we wanted to be able to then during the school year provide ongoing professional development through quarterly PLCs that were arranged by content so they could really plan and implement those strategies um, with others who are teaching the same content area. And um, beyond that, we we really called on on Carol. Um, she kind of uh, threw out like the Cadillac of plans. Like if this is if we could do everything we wanted to do, here it is. And we were able to do all of it except for actually getting in and utilizing consultants to coach. But we set up three um, sessions for uh, the principals and a plus one throughout the school year. And uh, we had Dr. Salva... Deliver those sessions, and that was really great to have someone from the outside being the voice and saying the things that we needed said. And um, she has the experience of really, and and it and it was just a classroom, right? But when she was in Spring Branch, and and she, they had these new immigrants and at the campus, and um, there was um, a lot of difficulty. Uh, she was able to turn that and make it a positive situation where people thought it was hopeless. And yep. so we kind of needed that mentality and mindset and coming forward. And uh, so she was able to bring that. She uh, did did such um, a great job in, in getting the message across. And we, but we spent a full day playing with her before each of those sessions. And In the very initial planning that we did with her, we broke it down to just, these these are the three strategies that come from seven steps um, of silence education. These are the three strategies that we are gonna focus on uh, for our newcomer classrooms across content areas. And this is the message we're going to send every single time Mm -hmm. we are providing professional development regardless of, of who it is, if it's administrators, if it's paraprofessionals, um, if it's teachers. And um that I, I think that went really well. We we have um teachers who really um have have taken to it and and are implementing those strategies in the classroom and have just been so empowered. It's <laughs> so yeah. it great to see the work that they're doing with them. So but we we needed that guidance beforehand. Of- yeah,
1: I mean, it, it sounds like not to, to sorry to stop you, but it sounds like you know, you had a good balance. You I mean, people right. I mean, consultants get a bad rap sometimes. I'm, and I'm biased because I know Carolyn, I know Pam, and they're phenomenal, right? Um, but you, you there's still a balance you can't keep them at your school forever it just doesn't work in a variety of ways so they have to be there to kind of empower and inspire in some ways but they have to leave something behind that that you all can use but that doesn't happen magically on its own you have to do the planning with them and it sounds like you had the right balance and the right approach and like i just jotted down a couple things that that came to my mind as you were speaking. One is what I just said, like that balance of having the consultants and these, in this case, like a real expert in Carol and Pam, but then those PLCs, right? Leveraging your own talent, your own people. Um, I heard, even though you didn't say it out loud, there's a definite like learn, teach, reflect model, which is obviously a foundation of of any key professional development um, setup, and then. Two more things, like you talked about, three focus areas. You can't do everything. What are the main things we want to accomplish, and what are the things that are going to get results for us and do what we need? And then consistency and the PD that you're giving, making sure that you're not mixing messages and the message is the same. And I feel like, like it seems like a lot of work on the front end to do that, but sure it sure pays off over the course uh, of the year. I'm still amazed that you're able to do it all in the time that you had. Still, like mind blowing to me, but. <laughs> but it i mean you've you've used a formula that is that is tried and true and you've inserted the variables that you needed for your particular district um which is impressive i don't know if there's a question there it's just an observation <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i do i do want to mention that um the where we've seen the greatest impact on Campuses, and of course, given all that we were doing, I have not been out to all of the campuses. You know, I haven't, I haven't seen the full breadth of, you know, how, how this has um, impacted, but where I was able to go and visit, what we saw is that, um, there was a, you know, a carry through on the campus by leadership that there's, there's a, a, a principal perhaps is the one, because they were attending our, um, our our leadership sessions. I had one tell me, when I go into the newcomer classroom, I know what I'm looking for. I know what it should look like because yeah. of those sessions. And so he's able to help facilitate those conversations as a leader on this campus. But also we have at the at a number of our campuses at the secondary level, but not all of them, we have uh, campus EL facilitators who are um, h- helping or who are responsible for implementing professional development for uh, EV teachers on campuses. And so they were taking what we were doing at the district level and reinforcing that in the campus level. Mm-hmm. And, and you could see the impact because there was that carry through. Um, so we, we did have training specific for our campus EL facilitators. We, um, and, and that was from Car- Carol Salva. She did that. And we had a, um, a session with Natalia Heckman for instructional coaches.
1: Mm-hmm. I know Natalia and, as well.
0: Oh yeah. With Sidelets. She's, she did a great job. And, um, so I really learned from this, the the power in that carry through, that I know that we were, we were talking to all of the stakeholders, right? We were getting this message across consistently, but having that bridge between the district and the campus, I think um, was huge.
1: Yeah. And and that's where if that bridge breaks down, everything else breaks down. So I I want to get into reflecting a little bit because um, now we're at the end of the twenty three school year, started in twenty two at the beginning of this school year. Um, So what so what are your and again I know it's not fair for you to ask me to ask this question really because it's only been a while and you haven't got a chance to visit everywhere. But what do you see so far as kind of some of the main benefits? um for students with this new changed model
0: well um it's it's been i don't i don't know why it should be surprising but you i guess i get my head so deep in doing the work that um when it's acknowledged that it's, that it's, it's working and it's benefiting students. It kind of takes me back. So I, um, I just heard from the teachers that, um, they, they were scared in the beginning, you know, yep. I found that later. They were scared. In yep, the I told you, when, <laughs> when they were told, um, that they would be teaching newcomer students. And, um, but then our facilitators learn from them through the course of the PLCs and such that they absolutely love our newcomer students. They never not want to teach them. They're the asking, best, no, please have them next year. That's the best. That <laughs> is the best, and so you know that's a, a wonderful, positive experience for our students.
1: It's a, um, it's a, it's a game changer because right? we. Like, I'm doing a lot of interrupting during this podcast, Kimberly, but it's only because I'm interested in what you're saying. So I'm sorry. But like, you, we, I live in the Northeast, right? And I think it's different here than it is in Texas in many ways. I don't want to stereotype or generalize, but when we say every teacher is a teacher of language, um, that's the ideal, right? And, but that's not necessarily the reality. If I'm a math teacher who's been teaching, and I'm not picking on math teachers, just came to my head, who's been mm-hmm. teaching for 25 years and all of a sudden the demographics change and now I have five you know multilingual learners or merge bilinguals whatever term you want to use, and then I have 10 and then I have 20 and I'm not trained in that. I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm scared and I'm frightened and I'm scared that I'm not serving these kids. And so to say that that teacher is a teacher of language and just like sort of assume that is not is not necessarily the reality of the situation. And so to get to your point when a teacher like that one, of which there are many. Like, that's what we don't want to admit, but it's true. And it's not so no fault of that person. When a teacher like that one says, I never not want to have newcomers. And my, that's like, it is a, I, I don't think we really understand how much of a game changer that is. So it's just so nice to hear you say that. And I just wanted to say that out loud. And there's,
0: there's so many staff members now that have, that have learned our secret all along. We had these amazing students, (laughs) amazing group of students and y'all just didn't know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And we could share, we could share. It's actually great to share, but anyway, sorry, I interrupted you, but I couldn't resist. Uh,
0: I, a couple of other things that just anecdotally, not just coming from, you know, uh, teachers who are attending our PLCs, um, but I, I went to visit a campus that you know is, is new to having newcomers this year, and it was a meeting completely unrelated to ESL. But I was literally bombarded by staff when I came in the door, starting with the principal, just wanted to tell me how much they love having newcomers on their campus. Yeah, how great it is. you know, I, I visited another campus. Again, the first time having newcomers, and the principals telling me it's our shining star program. Like, we love it. We love having them here so much, and so that whole concern about um, you know getting off on the right foot and ensuring that the students feel welcome the moment that they walk in the door, that concern is gone, um, and. Um, about staff feeling that they are you know capable and they have the tools and they're ready that that fear is gone as well I mean I, we have um, reports from our our campus leadership in, in in February at our last leadership training they wrote down what it is that they are loving about this change and they, consistently wrote down something related to um, working together as a team and having built a community around these students and and meeting their needs. Um, So that, that concern is gone. But as far as like when you go and consider what program model is best for newcomers so there's so many different ways that you mm-hmm. can go about it right and i was diehard newcomer center of course because that's all i knew
1: yeah and because yours was a great one
0: <laughs> and yes yeah, so, and you know that that confirmed it when you had others wanting to come see right yep so um but the pros to having our students across the junior highs at their home campuses is they are part of that campus from day one. They're they're not at a temporary campus, and then yeah. they'll eventually get to the one they're supposed to be at.
1: This is uh, home. Welcome. Yeah.
0: This is home. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if the mascots Huskies were Huskies from day one, right? Um, and then they are also, I'm hearing, uh, very involved in sports and in clubs, and they're really intermingling well with all groups, of of students, whereas when when it was a newcomer center, they kind of tended to stay with that group throughout the day. Yep. Um, We have um, always had a process in place for considering students um, mid-year, who might already be ready to move on out of newcomer and into shelter. And before that was a really big decision because they would be, Moving campuses mid-year—they've only had one semester, mm-hmm. you know, at one—and um, that decision isn't isn't so difficult now because they're not having to make such a big transition. Um, they're not having to be bused, right? That took some time out of the school day for them to be bused from one campus sure. to another. So, um, all of those things are definitely benefits for them.
1: Within this model, it's great. I mean, mean, they're like, it's such a success story because it's it's like your classic, in a very, I guess, um, in a more broad sense, not even focusing in on newcomers or multilingual learners. It's a great success story of forced change from the pandemic and like disruption, I guess, and what happens when we have to change. My sense is that that's uh, not my stance. My worry is that we kind of schools slowly go back to how it was because it's comfortable that way. Like during the pandemic, we learned so much. and but then eventually, it seems like we're kind of slipping back into kind of how we were. at least that's my observation again. I'm not in schools every day, and I know that some of those things that we learned are being incorporated. But in this situation, it's a great example of a disruption that was probably unwanted at first, I'm sure or at least worrisome and, and provoked a little fear to something that um that has become a huge success. And through that, going back to kind of what I said earlier about like teachers who maybe don't have the experience working with, with multilingual learners and maybe are afraid of it. And they're not afraid of it for any other reason, except that they want to make sure that they're serving their students in the right way. And that's where the fear comes from, right? Like they want to be right. good at what they do, which is understandable. But to know that with a little bit of training um they can be and that they're enjoying this experience and creating communities um i i already said this earlier but it's it's a result of that force change it's a result of that disruption um and it's just it's just great it's a great like success story that comes from this need to make a hard change so it's, i just think it's such a such a great story
0: well, I, I'm so glad to be on this end of it. And, yeah, I'm sure you and are. that be the message? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's another
1: like key point, right? There's doubt. I mean, it's such a such a hero's journey, right? Like there's just so many challenges in them, and I'm sure you had some sleepless nights, and I'm sure that it was in. All, I mean, of course, of course, right? But like you're here, you're on the other end, and is this? I mean, are there any changes planned for? neck major changes planned for next year or are you kind of just you're obviously sticking with this model
0: yes we are sticking with it and there's there's no major changes um but this process has taught me a lot of, of, about the power in um really strategically planning for change and getting everybody on board. And so we have other, um, initiatives where we're kind of utilizing that mindset moving forward next year outside of newcomer. So that's, it's, it's just, it's been a a great for kind of changing that lens and that mindset for me. Yeah. Um, but for, for our team, this, this amazing team who pulled it all off. Yeah,
1: yeah, So, yeah. Um, you're in a great place to give some advice to others who might be dealing with something similar or might be thinking about, like, maybe they're listening to this and thinking about this might be a model that would work or they're already thinking about it before. I don't want to drag this on too long, by this I mean like advice because I think advice should be like actionable and something somebody can think about right away. So if you were to give give listeners like one like really poignant piece of advice that you've learned through this, what would you what would you tell them?
0: I I think that the power in this was in being clear and consistent. And I I thank Dr. Carol Salva for getting us there. It's really Narrowing this down and um, defining what it is that will make a difference in the classrooms for our newcomer students, and it being very um, manageable to do.
1: <laughs> right. So be clear and consistent, and call Dr. Carol Salva when you're in trouble. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually call Carol when I'm uh, when I need something frequently, so I get it. Um, and for those of you who don't know her, we've mentioned. Dr. Carol Salva and Pam Broussard and Silence Education uh, a lot in this podcast, and for those listening outside of Texas, although they're known outside of Texas as well, but mostly in Texas, Silence Education is an organization that we partner with quite a bit. At Elevation, and you heard me say that all of those people who you mentioned, even Natalia Hackman, they've all been on the podcast before because we work so closely together. And by the way, that's how uh, you and I met through their 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 conference. That was we were actually introduced by Carol, um, and I'm glad we were because this was really really great. I want to, this is like just a small part of the story and hopefully folks kind of get an idea and a sense of what it takes to make this kind of change and what the results are and what the kind of key elements are. Um, I know that you're not a uh, big on social media. I'm not either. So you don't have to be, you know, no no, no worries there, no judgment. But is there, if people have a question or they want to learn a little more, is there any way they could learn more than just what we kind of went over today? Uh,
0: I am... Um... Happy to respond to emails or phone calls. If, I, I'm happy to give my contact information if, um, if anyone wants to
1: reach out. So what we'll do is we'll provide the contact info, um, your email, um, on um, on the show notes. So if folks want to email you, they can. That's very generous of you. Thanks. Um, awesome. Well, Kimberly, I know this was your first podcast and you probably overly prepared, which is okay. Because that <laughs> went, that went, I thought that was really great. Um, I have one more question for you. Uh, before we go and um, this is a question we ask everybody is there a book or a film or any other resource that has had an important influence to you, on you either personally or professionally it can be anything at all
0: well the, the book that comes to mind is the Poisonwood Bible by Barbara King Solver um, it is just a very impactful book and considering how different people um, respond to um, to change uh, and and uh, acclimating to a different culture, and um, that has made me a fan of Barbara Kingsolver ever since.
1: I can't think of a better topic to end with than that one. The book, you chose a good one for our conversation today. I'll have to check it out. Um, Okay, great. Well, we'll we'll link to that as well in the show notes. And um, with that, Kimberly, it has been so great to catch up with you. I'm sorry it took us so long to make it happen, but I'm glad we were able to do it. The
0: timing was just fine.
1: Good, good. Well, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Um, But in the meantime, enjoy um, the end of the school year. And congratulations on all your success at KDI Steve.